I also know the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And yet that concept is there. God is three in one. Um, I, could, I could list also original sin. That phrase is not in the Bible, and yet we know that concept to be in the Scriptures. And so, um, you know, I could talk about superlapsarianism is not in the Bible. But I <laughs> see, I knew everybody would look up at me at that point. So, but I'm just, the concept, the concept is there. And, and so, uh, we've already mentioned that the word rapture comes from the Latin, uh, rapturus or rapturio, I don't even know Latin. Doesn't that, <laughs> who knows Latin? Nobody. All right. See, I, I shouldn't even have said that. You'd have never known any different. But I do know my Greek, which, which is harpazo. So I am confident in that. The Greek word is harpazo, to be caught away. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. I'm going to read these rapidly, and then we're going to get into what everyone likes to know and talk about. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Uh, the biblical concept of sleep means death. So whenever you hear Paul use the word sleep, it, he's talking about those who are dead. They that's, it's, I don't believe in soul sleep, but if you want to know where that concept came from, it, it came from that word. We shall not all sleep or die or be dead, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That passage... Uh, I believe, references the rapture that day when uh, the saints are called uh, out of the earth and the, the dead in Christ will rise. And if the Bible says in 1 John 3, 2, that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, and so, however Jesus is at this moment, at that moment, we shall be like him. And as I read the Bible in his resurrected, glorified state, he was not like he was. This is really interesting. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track on the notes, but I'm going to go with how it just pops into my mind. That when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he walked in his glorified, resurrected state, it, it's interesting to me that when he walked down the road to Emmaus with those disciples, they did not instantly recognize him. Now, I thought that to be interesting, seeing how they spent three years at least around him. And I don't know whether it was because they had been so seared with the images of Golgotha that they just weren't in the zone or whether or not in that state, there is a different look. There could be a different look about you. Um, and, and if we just go with that for just a moment, that, that, may be, that may be exactly how we are. People say, what am I going to look like? Am I going to recognize my wife? Am I going to recognize my children? Am I going to recognize family members maybe that have already been there? You know what? Here's the deal. I don't think we're going to know each other by the flesh. See, that's how we know one another, right? And we know each other by the flesh. But at that moment, you'll know one another by the Spirit. And so I don't know how you'll look exactly. In fact, I think I put later in the notes that it's my joke. I think we'll all be a perfect 33 years old. I believe that. It says, when we see him, we shall be like him. He was 33 years old. You just, you just, I, I, I'll take a per. hey, when you're 50, you'll take a perfect 33. Some of you that are younger, you may not think that's a good deal. I don't know, but, but I just thought that was interesting it helps me anyway first thessalonians 4 we go on first thessalonians 4 uh, we'll begin with verse 13 it says but i do not want you to be ignorant brethren 
concerning those who have fallen asleep. Again, he's talking about those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, or those who have died knowing the Lord, died being saved. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have died. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And here we begin to see, and and we'll put this out here in the notes in numerical form, that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. In other words, harpazo, rapture, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, now hear me now, he's talking to the church at this point. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I can remember years ago going to meetings where the evangelist would talk about the end times, and he'd scare the diddling out of me. I, 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 probably the reason you'd get scared is because maybe you weren't ready. This really isn't meant to scare you. This is meant to give you hope. In fact, we're going to talk about thief here in just a second. But he says, you're to comfort one another with these words. You can look at one another and say, one of these days the Lord shall come. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians 5, the next chapter. We're going to read some interesting verses here, and then we'll get rolling. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But listen to this. Here's verse 4. But you, brethren, now I hope that's you. He says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. Now again, when I was sort of younger and growing up and listening to all this stuff get preached, of course, you know, along with the movie that came out from Mark IV Productions, you know, Thief in the Night, Distant Thunder. If you never saw those, man, I mean, they would scare you to death. And and the point of it was he's coming as a thief in the night. It happens. And so... It's sort of, especially when you're a young person, it just sort of, golly, you know. And, and then once you watch one of those things and you go home and your parents aren't there when you get home, <laughs> man, that, you don't know what's going on inside of you. But listen, listen. He only comes as a thief to those who are in darkness. He's not coming as a thief in the night for me. I'm waiting, I'm watching I'm pulling for it. I've had people come and say, well, you know, pastor, there's pre-trib raptures, there's mid-trib, there's post-trib, there's pre-wrath, there's, you know. I, you know I'm, I, here's where I am. I'm pulling for the pre-trib rapture, but I'm living if I have to walk the whole thing out. Okay, but I'm pulling. I'm pulling for the early exit. But it says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober, which means he ain't coming for drunks. I'll just leave that alone. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, see, I told you, are drunk at night. 
But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. That's an important verse. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get rolling here. The rapture. The rapture is that moment. Did you notice my new board? Can you see it? So we're moving along here. This is, this is the church age from the cross. And, and what's happening here are, are all, am I writing big enough? Birth pangs of ever escalating tribulation. All right, so birth pangs, he says, are happening. And somewhere, which could happen before the night's over tonight, According to what I just read to you, Jesus will come and rapture his church. In other words, we go up. Those who have died are going up as well. And we will meet the Lord in the air. And I'm going to come back and talk about this. And then something takes place in the heavenlies for the next seven years which is what we will call, well, for just the sake of defining it at the moment, we'll call it all Great Tribulation, although I think you could make a case that the last three and a half years are probably the Great Tribulation period. But just for the sake of definition for tonight, we'll call it the Great Tribulation because all of us face, do we not? Can you see, baby? I'm sorry. All, we all face tribulations, but th- th- there's tribulation the likes of which that you've never seen coming. Until finally, Jesus arrives which more accurately would be called his second coming this is you don't care if i write it this is called harpazo in the original language this is called parousia in the original language and it is what distinguishes these two events all right are you with me so everybody's back on the same page again the rapture we're talking about this event where people are taken out of the earth Now, it says here, I'm going to go through this real quick. It says that the Lord will descend from heaven with the sound of a shout, the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. It's going to be, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if it's something you hear in your spirit or if it's something that you hear externally. The Bible doesn't say that. But but all we know is, is that he says this is what will take place. There's going to be a resurrection of the righteous dead. Those who have died in Christ will somehow, some way, spring out of the earth. They'll spring out of oceans. All the ashes that have been scattered to the four corners will somehow come back together again. And they will, they will turn into this immortal, glorified body. You say, how does that, how does, and now here's what people do. They'll, they'll go, well, how in the world would that work? That's why Paul said, I tell you a mystery. I, I don't know how all that's going to work. I just know it will work. No, it won't look like Thriller. They won't come out like that. No, 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 no. They won't come out like that. And as the dead, as in the dead in Christ rise, then we who are alive and remain instantly, split instantly, we're gone in a moment. And we meet the Lord in the air, and, and Jesus at this point never touches the earth. He never comes and touches the earth at this point. All right? Um, the believer will be changed in an instant to another state of being. 
Right now we're mortal, but Paul says that mortal must take on immortality. Corruption must take on incorruptibility. Again, somehow or another, my body, if, if, he, if he were to come in this split instant, and my, hopefully we will believe everyone in this room, nobody will be left at Wednesday night Bible study, but all of us go. They'll just be, I think it'd be legitimate to say that probably they'll be just clothes. Now that may sound comical, but, but we'll be in this glorified state. You've got to understand that, that, that corruption's taken on incorruption. It's just like when God created Adam and Eve. He created them naked, and yet there wasn't the carnal issues that were going on. And so now with all the carnal mind and all the carnal issues, we can't fathom that. But in that particular instance, um, there'll be a pure state that will take place. There's a mystery, and this will occur so fast that people who do not know the Lord will be stunned in its swiftness. Now, again, I mentioned to you that he comes as a thief to those who are not watching and are sons of the night. Another verse in that regard is Revelation 3.3. Listen to what he says here, Revelation 3.3. It says, Remember, therefore, have you have, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, he says, if you will not watch... I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. And so he's not coming for his people as a thief. He he will be as a thief in the night to those who are sons, daughters of the darkness, and and unfortunately will have to remain. Now let's talk about the Lord's coming here and make sure we have some working knowledge of what's going on. The return of the Lord, I think, is best understood as a play that has several acts in its presentation. In other words, to be candid with you, to understand the second coming. If I were, if I were to say to you, I'm, I'm going to teach on the second coming, the second coming is not just one event, but the second coming is, is a whole happening that takes place in this particular time period. Some who believe that there's the initial rapture and then the second coming would would describe it, and I've heard it described as this, that the second coming is like a two-act play. For those that may have other events that take place that involve the Lord dealing with people on the earth, they may have a few more acts to it. But the point I'm trying to make is, is, is that this, to talk about the second coming, you just can't talk about this and you just can't talk about this. you got to talk about them both because there are certain things that are going on that encompass the coming of the Lord. The first act, just for sake of simplicity, the first act of his second coming is rapture. That's act one. There will be this seven years. Now, for the believer who is now doing something here in the heavenly realm, you understand believers are up here, right? They get a little intermission. But those who are on the earth, it's going to be an exceedingly challenging time. There will be other aspects to this that are best understood, I think, as we move through the tribulation time period. I'm going to throw concepts out to you that probably are going to leave you with some questions. But this is how I'm going to teach this. I'm, going to te- I'm trying to teach this through, through the timeline here, okay? So if I don't answer all your questions about something that happens here or here... I'll probably get there, okay? So just just bear with me as I try to get all these concepts out there. So don't confuse the coming of the Lord with the catching away of the saints. 
these two events are distinctly different. Now, I started to think about, because sometimes people have a hard time with rapture, I worked through it. Those of you that have been around me now for probably a dozen years know that whenever it has come time to teach this area, I've, I've amended something every time. You can either think that indicates instability or you can think that indicates teachability, I guess. It just depends on how you look at it. But I went through a time period kind of working through the concept of rapture because you didn't exactly see the word in the Bible. It wasn't there just staring you in the face. And, and so, you know, I, was, I worked through some of these aspects. And as I've become to understand, I, I do believe and I have believed for many, many years that there would be a catching away. I might have placed it at different intervals through the years as I was seeking to understand this better, but I do believe there's a, a rapture, and the reason I believe that is because there are pictures of it through the scripture. If you want to see in the Bible pictures of this concept, I wrote down a number of pictures of what we would call biblical raptures that could give us at least an indicator or a taste of what this event might be like. For instance, most of you will remember these. You have Enoch in Genesis 5, and it doesn't say much about Enoch except that it says he walked with God and he was not. That's all we know. He walked with God and then he was not. He, he, he did not die. He just was, he had a relationship with the Lord that the Lord looked at him and said, you know what, there's no sense you and I being separated by the flesh and by this. Why don't you just come on up? And he did. Now keep this in mind because I think there's going to be some pictures that begin to come forward that begin to tell us who gets to be on the first boatload. How many here would like to be on the first boatload? I want to I be on the first boatload. No, thank you. I do not want to wait for the final one. No, thank you. So Enoch walked with God. Then there was Elijah. Elijah, of course, was a prophet. And we find him at the end of his life coming to the place where we see a picture of uh, the chariots of heaven coming for him. And, and carrying him away, somehow, somehow pulling him away to where Elisha cries out as he sees Elijah going away. You know, he says, my father, my father. And uh, so that's a picture of, of a rapture. Jesus himself gives us a picture, does he not? At the ascension. In fact, the angels that showed up after he ascended actually used this event in order to tell the disciples that this will be very much like how he comes again. He says, why stare you into heaven, you men of Galilee? For do you not know that this same Jesus, which was taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner? And so he's a very definite picture of what a rapture is. And then you have Philip. I, I kind of like Philip. Philip's just doing the work of the Lord, and he's, he's baptizing. When he baptizing that Ethiopian eunuch or something, and then all of a sudden, poof, poof, a, a Star Trek moment. He was beamed from where he was instantly to another location. I just think it's a picture. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in fact, why don't you go ahead, because this is kind of interesting, and, and it's just something that's just a little side note, but these are all pictures, I believe, that we can put out to you about what rapture looks like. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, he says, I know a man in Christ... And many people believe he's talking about himself. He just didn't want to put himself out there and sound like he's tooting his own horn. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether, listen to what he says, in the body, 
I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was what? Caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He was caught up into paradise, heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. And so, again, I don't know all that took place, but it's a picture, a picture of a rapture. And then some believe, and, and, and I, don't, I don't use this. I've, I've listened to some teach Revelation 4.1 when John was caught up into the heavenlies. It says, by the Spirit, uh, the voice of the Lord said, come up here and I will show you the things that must shortly take place. Many people use Revelation 4.1 in order to teach the rapture out of. Now, I, I don't know that you can teach the rapture out of Revelation 4.1, but I, I do believe that it's a picture of what rapture would look like and and so uh, we have these uh, evidences or pictures of this event now I'm going to put these out there and I know a lot of you are going to have what about what about and I'll get there I'll get there I promise but I believe that there are some other raptures that are yet to take place now for instance number one the rapture of the church this event has not taken place yet has it and so we're we're expectantly awaiting the rapture of the church the rapture of the great multitude. We're going we're gonna to talk about how in this particular time period there is a picture of something that takes place in the heavenly realm that we're going to have to explain. And there are some, and I am leaning that direction, who are believing that, that there will be a rapture of a great multitude that will, after this event, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, get lives right, back on track, Certain things will have taken place, and there will be a catching away that will actually avoid that, that last bowl that gets poured out, which is specifically defined as the wrath of God, which now has come. And the reason I'm putting it down here is because you've got all sorts of things that are happening before those last bowls um, will, will pour forth. And so I know there'll be a lot of questions about well, how's that going to work? Where do you see it? Why do you think it is? And, and again, I gave you the passage in Revelation that I think has a picture of that in it. But, but really, in Matthew 25, where you come to the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins, because I just, I, as I listened to the instruction that went along with this, it finally, I finally could make sense of that parable. Because that parable has sat there in Matthew 25, for 32 years of my Christian life, and it, it sat there and just bugged the fire out of me because I, I just couldn't put some pieces together that I think this helps put together. Now, again, you may have a different idea. Um, if you do, that's great because there's going to be a lot of difference of opinion as you move through here, but... It's just something for you to begin to think about, and we'll get there. We know that there'll be the rapture or the catching away of the two witnesses that will have uh, been on the earth to witness the things of God, and then we know that there'll be a catching away of the Jewish evangelists, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, which um, God uses in order to disseminate the gospel to the Jews. And, and, and let me just say this. I believe that there will be people getting saved all through this time period. I, 
Now, I do also believe that there'll be people that are so hard-headed and knuckle-headed, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if Jesus shook their hand on the way up. They won't get it. But I do believe. In fact, one of the things is going to be a great, probably a great Jewish revival that'll take place because of all that happens to Israel. But I do believe that because of the Matthew 25 parable, that there will be people who will be left on the earth that know enough, have enough knowledge, have had maybe an experience of some sort with the Lord. And there's going to be, there's going to be a, a group that will bear witness to the things of God even during this seven-year tribulation time. Now, let me just say this. It's going to be tough to get through and navigate this time. It could be a resistance movement. There are going to be some that will lose their lives in that movement. Um, but, again, we'll get to that in a little bit more fuller way when we get into that time period. Now, let me talk about some issues that surround this particular event. Some are convinced, and, and I, I believe they do this with, with some interesting scriptural support, that the rapture will be associated with, great natural, with a great natural disaster or a synchronized act of terrorism. Now again, whenever we talk about these things, it all depends on how you want to interpret different verses and where you want to put those verses in the timeline. Remember what I said when I talked about the signs of the times, how Matthew 24, remember how we read about that last week, and Jesus went through all of these signs of the times. And many, many people believe that those signs in Matthew 24 really have more to do with this time period than it does with this time period. That's why I taught you last week that whether you believe it's here or not, we all know that there will be ever-increasing labor pains as we get into this area. If we're having weird earthquakes today, by the way, did you watch the news? If we're having weird earthquakes in diverse places here today, how much, it's just a signal that it's going to get weirder. All right? If we have false messiahs and Christ and prophets now, how much more here? If there's famine and pestilence, how much more here? So, so my view is this. It's, it's fine to, to put Matthew 24 in here, and I believe in a lot of ways it needs to be interpreted in here. But I still believe that every sign in that chapter of God's book is being fulfilled before our very eyes and in the newspapers. We're watching, we're watching people get groomed for all these happenings. Now, again, um, Matthew 24, 36 through 44, talks about how there's going to be these incredible uh, natural signs, or we can call them disasters. Matthew 24, 36. It says, Of the day and hour no one knows, that verse is quoted oftentimes, as it was in the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. And uh, two men in the field, one will be taken, the other left. And all of these things uh, seem to begin to indicate uh, the rapture, which, oh, I know what I was thinking, because right right before it oh yeah about heaven and earth will pass away but my words will no by no means pass away and um thinking where was that i've lost it now maybe maybe i was thinking another one in ezekiel oh well i will come across it again and i will give it to you when i get there but the point being is is that uh a great natural disaster coming um, this may answer the question as to how we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can sense the season of the event. Now, another one of the things that I, I personally believe, uh, out of Genesis 7, verse 4, Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, 
so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. And Noah, of course, we think of all the riotous living, we think of all the evil that is associated with, with Noah. We might also think about how the ark represents a catching away or a taking out of the, 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 the wrath of God that was to be poured out. All those things are true. But one of the other things that people rarely mention about uh, Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, is that according to Genesis 7, what does it say there? Genesis 7, 4, Noah had one week's notice. It looks like a two, I'm sorry, one. One week's notice of the flood. Now, I, 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 don't, I'm, I cannot say that we will ever know the day or the hour but there are several things that I think are interesting in the Scripture. Paul wrote, wrote this. He said, Of the times and seasons, brethren, I have no need to write to you because you are not ignorant concerning these things. He was literally saying that, that with regards to the season of the coming of the Lord, he says, you're not going to be ignorant of these things. I mean, let me ask you a question right now. How many of you would say, with all sincerity, Jesus must be coming really, really soon? I don't think you're a kook, but yet you believe that, don't you? Because you, you, you know that, that we're in a season that's just different, right? Have you ever thought about how your sense or your, your, your just the general revelation God puts upon his body, that sense, not only tells us that Jesus must be coming soon, but why is it that we may not know the day or the hour, but why, why could we not know or why could we not look at each other and say, golly, we must be within days, weeks. Is that really so difficult to begin to conceive? I don't think so. I can tell you a couple world events, if they were to take place, that I would look at her and I would say, I, I don't know that we would have a week left. I just don't know how. Now, again, I'm not saying I know, would know the day or the hour, but I believe, I, I honestly believe that you can begin to sense the season of the event. That's, you know, Jesus himself said to his disciples, he said, when you see the fig tree and it begins to blossom, know that the time is near. So he automatically told them, he's, if we can figure out what the fig tree is, when the fig tree begins to bear fruit, and we'll get to the fig tree, but when whatever that fig tree is, when it begins to bear fruit and when it begins to blossom, what Jesus says is you get ready because I'm showing up real soon. And so, uh, with regards to the rapture, I do believe. I do believe that it will be a, a, a swift, unannounced event that could happen in any moment. You've heard of the names of God. You know, Jehovah Nisi, right? Jehovah Sidkenu, God my banner. Jehovah Nisi, God my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. At this moment... He will be Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> I'd love it when you guys just bite. You just, you just bit right there. I could see it. All right. But I get your attention back, don't I? Okay, the event. The event will spin the world into a cataclysmic scenario that can only be unraveled by the Antichrist. The, if you want, you know, the Antichrist, I don't know, he may be this little kid right now. He may be, right now, he may be in someone's classroom and the teacher's already identified him as, 
Look at his parents and say, you have birthed the Antichrist. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, so, just joking. But, but he, will be, he, will, he will come. He is the only person. This event will cause such cataclysmic repercussions all over the world that someone will have to make sense of it. Someone will have to bring some unity back to it. It's, gonna, it's so easy for me to see how how economies begin to crumble, how people's confidences begin to be shattered, markets, if you thought markets went bad before, you haven't seen anything yet, and somebody's got to rise up that has confidence uh, in the world and pull the thing together and uh, begin to bring stability back to it again, to begin to say, hey, we're going to have to unite as a one-world entity. We're going to have to have a one-world government. We're going to have to have one-world court system. If we're, if, if, if we're going to stabilize the markets, we're going to have to get a one-world currency that's, that will stabilize the markets. It is, not, it is not beyond the realm of possibility that these things will take place. That event will be the springboard to the Antichrist plan. And he begins to move. The first three and a half years probably won't be... Uh, that tumultuous for those who are attempting to be believers, but, but uh, it will quickly ratchet up. Um, there will be people who know what has happened. I put down here the backslidden and the half-hearted, and again, we'll talk about that. And probably usher in an underground revival of tribulation saints and a potential resistance movement. Most people, however, under letter D, will yield to their reprobate mind and continue as it has always been. It will be easy to follow the Antichrist as there will be nothing to restrain him in his activities. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there's a fascinating passage there that talks about uh, the restraint that is currently in the earth. 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. In other words, there'll be an apostasy before the, 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 the coming of the Lord, the rapture. And the, man, and, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, speaking of the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Again, beginning to prophesy of certain events that will take place on through that seven-year time period. Um, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, verse 6, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. So in other words, Paul is saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that, that what's, re what's restraining this whole thing from taking place, we, we haven't identified it yet, but he said that there's something restraining this whole thing from happen happening. Because John told us in his epistle that the spirit of Antichrist is already on the earth. But something is restraining all of this. And he says in verse 7, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And many, many people believe that when this, when this happens, the question is, who is he that's restraining? Well, many, many people believe exactly that. That, that there will not be the sense of the presence of God on the earth like we have it now during these seven years. Now let me tell you what's, what, we, we can talk about all the signs and all the scary things that'll happen, but, but, I, but can I tell you something that ought to frighten 
Just every single person in the earth. If you want to talk about something frightening, I'll tell you something frightening. And that is, if, if you cannot come to the knowledge of God, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you cannot respond to his presence, I, this is what's interesting to me. I've had people even say this. They say, well, I'm, I'll just take my chances. I think I know what's going on. I've heard it all. I'll just take my chances. I'm still going to live the way I want to live. Let me tell you something. You can't come to God just when you darn well please. The Bible says that no one comes to God unless who draws them? The Spirit draws them. And there's not going to be any drawing that's taking place. There are going to be people who probably will know, and because of the knowledge that they have, they'll come to repentance and they will become the tribulation saints. I believe that. The Bible seems to teach that. But let's not fool ourselves for any moment. If, if you have an ability to resist the presence of God now and not respond to his loving, wooing, gentle beckoning to come to the kingdom don't you think for a moment that somehow or another you're going to just roll the dice and you'll just come when you just think it's just good for you because there's going to be nothing inside of you then that will say come now that'll that'll scare you i know a gentleman that told me one time he you, this is his testimony if it doesn't fit your theology then it doesn't fit but it fit his this gentleman tells the story. He said that he had, so, he had so resisted God's dealings in his life, so resisted his conviction in his life, so resisted the, the loving, just, just wooing of God in his life that, that there was a moment that he, I believe it was an accident or maybe in a hospital, I don't remember the scenario, but he was put into a scenario where it was serious, and the Lord began to deal with him, and he said he got a vision. And the vision that he got at that moment that God gave him was of this curtain that was closing. And he said he heard his voice being spoken by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, now is your moment to respond to me, and if you choose not to, then I will not deal with you anymore. And he said the thing that frightened him the most was the fact that he had reached the place where God himself said, if you want it your way, I'll just let you have your way. And he wasn't even going to deal with him anymore. Listen, this is the moment when the curtain closes. And there's not going to be. See, right now, if your heart's doing this, just say praise God. I mean, if you're clicking around the TV and you land, and you watch something that you ought not be watching, and you sit there too long, and you don't do what needs to be done, and then you finally get your wits, and then you feel conviction come on you, don't you despise that. You say, praise God. Because he's still working on you. Because you know what? There's going to be a day you'll be channel surfing these seven years, and there ain't nothing going to be telling you to change the channel. See, that, we can talk about all this other stuff. I tell you, that's, that, that would drive me to an altar, just the knowledge of that. That just like this. Do you understand? Just poof, No more Holy Spirit. I wouldn't want to roll the dice. Well, let's talk about what's going to happen to those raptured believers those seven years with the Lord. Let's, let's turn to something better. Let's move from here to up here. Hallelujah. There's something that's going to be happening up here in this, in this boatload with the believers. Now, I don't know if it's going to feel like seven years. It could feel like a thousand years. I don't know that time is of no issue, except that we know on earth it will take at least seven years. 
But this is what's going to happen for those who are in the heavenly realm. Basically, three elements that will happen for the believer. Number one, your body will be changed. In other words, whatever we look like in a glorified state, that's going to take place in that moment. So we'll all be there. We'll all recognize each other, but I don't know that we'll look the same. Like I said, I'm pulling for hair. I'm pulling for about 30 less pounds. I'm pulling, I mean, give me a robe, but just give me some hair. Just, you know. Maybe we're all bald. Maybe that's how it works out. Who knows? See, I'm already holy. That's right. But think about this. The greatest reunion you've ever been to. You've been to a family reunion. I guarantee you, you got one better coming. All the saints of the ages will be there. Everyone you ever wondered about will be there. The third thing is what we would call the the judgment seat of Christ. I should have put four things because I got three up top and four there in the list. The judgment seat of Christ. This is not to be confused with the great white throne. Right here, I'll use a different marker. Can you all see everything still? You don't mind my messiness, do you? There's going to be a judgment seat right here. You like that chair? Now there's going to be another, there's going to be another chair out there too. But here's the good news. We, you don't want to see this chair. This chair, we're going to see. This is called the Bema seat. It's a judgment seat. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Paul used the term Bema because it was taken from the athletic events where athletes, after their contests, were given certain rewards for how they ran the race. How many of you know Paul said that we're running a race? And it will be here where believers, now we're not talking about non-believers, we're talking believers will be rewarded. They will be judged according to their works. Now, again, this isn't about salvation. Aren't you glad? Because you're there. But this is the part that really helps me out because I'm really justice motivated. Because, you see, my whole life has been this. Well, Lord, if I'm living all out for you and I'm giving it my best and I'm doing that, you know, I'm seeing a lot of slackers in the kingdom. And you're telling me that they just get everything I get, then why in the world don't I slack off? Well, let me just tell you, number one is, there may be some that don't make the first boatload. I'll just say that. But there are going to be those who will be rewarded. In fact, the Scripture says that there will be some whose works will be burned up. I mean, like wood, hay, and stubble, burned. But others will be like gold and silver tried by fire. And so that's the Bema seat. And this is when that's handed out. And so there's that sense of justice that begins to be dispensed at the Bema seat. This is where the Lord rewards the faithful, diligent workers of the harvest field. There is a day of reckoning even for the church. So don't think for a moment that somehow, you know, once you're saved, that's just your passport to, uh, to just, you know, bliss. But there will be a day of reckoning. Romans 14.10 says this, but why do you judge your brother? This is really a good passage that I ran across. Why do you judge your brother? Well, because I like judging my brother. Why do you think I judge my brother? Because I want to compare myself to other people because it makes me feel better about myself. That's why I judge my brother. It says, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? This is why he says you don't have to do it. You understand the questions there are, are, are constructed in the original language in order to basically say you ought not be doing this. It says, why? For we, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
you know what? It's too great a matter for me. It is, I am not, you know what? I am not Holy Spirit Jr. I am not the sheriff for the body of Christ. Sometimes it's enough to keep me on track. But the good news is this. Even if for a moment my eyes start looking around and I start saying, I don't get it, Lord. Why do they? And how come them? And near, 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 near. It all shakes out here. It all shakes out. And God will dispense. And can I just say this? We're going to see some people get rewards that we never thought would get any. And there's going to be some people that have preached on TV that ain't going to get much. See, it all shakes out right. Because you understand, once you get your reward here, there's no need to get a reward. Ah. And then finally, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Of course, my, my, I'm out of balance here. But there's going to be this great banquet. It's like you get, your, you get your trophies and then you get to go eat. Now, you can look at this a number of ways. Maybe it's going to be the greatest communion service in the universe. Maybe, maybe it'll be just a great celebration service. But the good news is, as you've heard me say before, no pastor will be at the head of this table. The, the chief shepherd... The chief shepherd will be at that supper of the Lamb. Now, I need to hurry here. What if I miss the boat? Now, now I'm trusting that's not you, but you can hand these notes to someone who might, all right? And underline this section. There may be a chance to be a part of the catching away of the great multitude. If I'm not right, then you can only be saved through martyrdom and refusal to take the mark of the beast. Some may navigate these seven years and come out with their lives. Some may do that. that but but I, I'll guarantee you they'll be in rural areas and communities and caves underground. But there will be a lot of people who will give their lives for the gospel. Secondly, be prepared for incredible spiritual pressure like you have never experienced. And the truth is, as I've already mentioned, if people can't live for Jesus now, it ain't going to get any easier. This will be an incredibly, incredibly serious time. I mean, people will come home, and they'll walk in. And I've, wrote it, I've written it down here. Teenagers will come home and say, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, I'm home, and they ain't nobody going to be there. We don't understand that all of a sudden cars are going to be unmanned. Planes will crash. Cruise liners will sink. Think about this. You're in the middle of a surgery and your doctor's gone. Or you're the one having surgery and you're gone. That's true. That could happen too. I'm sure there are some great comical scenarios, but there'll be some incredibly serious scenarios. Right. It's just they all, I guess they all fainted for two and a half minutes and all these accidents took place and all these things took place. See, even the world, isn't that interesting? Even the world has a TV show that sort, of, that sort of talks about the rapture. It's amazing. It's amazing. But glory to God, I'm watching and I'm waiting. When I get to the wise and foolish virgins, you're going you're gonna to hear this again. I'm going to keep my lamp trimmed, and I'm just going to say, Lord, keep the oil flowing. I don't want to go out and have to buy extra oil. I'm keeping... I'm keeping filled up. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Let's stand, shall we? We're going to pick it up here next time. Everyone standing. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord. He is worthy, isn't he, of our praise? Lord, we praise you tonight. You are worthy of our adoration and our praise, and we worship you. We give the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor. And Lord, we look towards the eastern sky. Lord, we, are, we, we, we just commit ourselves again to be watching for your return. Lord, help us to live ready. Lord, help us to be on our spiritual toes. Lord, let it not be fear. Hey, if there's fear in you right now, you need to check your heart and ask yourself if you really have, if you know him or not. If, there, if, there, if I produce fear in you, then I'm telling you, that's the Spirit of God probably working on you, saying there's some areas of your life that need to, need to get under the blood. They need to be confessed. They need to be repented from. And he's faithful to do that. Don't despise that. Say, praise God, I'd rather him deal with me now than not deal with me at all. See, man, this is, this is, this is hardcore Christianity. And you know what? I love it. Because it's the only one that's real and works. So if he's dealing with you, man, don't run from him. Get it under the blood. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, his blood will cleanse us. I'm this, That quick. I don't care. You might have sinned before you came in that door. You can be cleansed before you walk back out. Hallelujah. So just do your business with the Lord right now. Lord, just search us. And Lord, we just, we, we invite that happening, Lord. I, I just, the more I think about it, I thank you. I thank you for conviction. I thank you for your presence. I thank you when you love me so much, you work on me. And you won't let go of it in my life. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that there are moments you touch things that you've touched in no other person. Lord, I thank you for that because you cared enough to single me out. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I don't want to know what life's like without you. And Lord, I pray tonight for this group. I thank you for this Wednesday night crew, Lord. I thank you that they love you. They are here. Lord, it's just like Paul said when, 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 he, when he wrote and he said that there, I, even he, if he talked about weighty matters, he said, but I, I, know, I know of better things for you. And I'm glad to be able to say, Lord, with, with this group, I know of better things for you. But Lord, cause it just to one more time. Just give us the resiliency and tenacity to live all out for you, Lord. We love you. We're excited about the era we live in. Listen to me, folks. I believe that the apostles of old, if it be possible, are in that so great a, great a cloud of witnesses at this very moment, and they're watching us. Think about this. Peter and Paul and Timothy and Mark and John. And they're in the, they're in the stands, and they're watching us. And this is what they're saying. I really believe this. I wish we could have lived when they're living. We're living in the most exciting days ever. Let's step up to the plate and live them well. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, we love you. God loves you. And uh, we'll see you on the Lord's Day. It's going to be a great, great Sunday.